DPP presidential candidate Lai ching and his running mate Xiaobi Kim were confirmed elected with more than 5.58 million votes on Saturday. The Democratic Progressive Party is now the first political party to be in power for three consecutive terms since direct popular vote was instituted in 1996. Shortly after the election results were out, the DPP held an international press conference with 400 representatives of local and foreign media outlets. The president-elect said that Taiwan has told the world that between democracy and authoritarianism, it chose to stand on the side of democracy. Along with his running mate Xiaobi Kim, Lai Qingde took to the stage at the DPP's international press conference, calling his victory the world's first win for democracy in 2024. Taiwan is telling the world that between democracy and authoritarianism, it chooses to stand on the side of democracy. The Taiwanese people have successfully rebuffed the intervention of external forces with their actions, because we believed that our president should be chosen by ourselves. The country will continue to walk on the right path. It won't change course, let alone turn around. Lai shared three main points as a result of his victory. He also stressed that maintaining peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait is an important mission for him as president. In accordance with the Constitution of the Republic of China, I will maintain the status quo and will be neither humble nor arrogant. I ask China to engage in exchanges and dialogue instead of containment or confrontation. I will confidently take part in exchanges and cooperation with China on the premise of reciprocity and dignity. However, in the face of China's use of intimidation and military coercion, I am also determined to protect Taiwan. One member of the foreign press asked the newly elected president how he would attempt to reconnect the severed ties between Taiwan and China. Over the past eight years, President Tsai Ing-wen has continued to show goodwill. Unfortunately, China has not given us the response that we thought was appropriate. We also hope that in the future, in a new situation, China will realize that it too has responsibilities. Let's work together for the stability and development across the Taiwan Strait. After Lai and Xiao's election win was confirmed, leaders and dignitaries from the UK and the US, France, Lithuania and other countries sent congratulatory messages. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the US looked forward to further deepening its long-term informal relations with Taiwan. The US State Department also reiterated its commitment to maintaining peace across the Taiwan Strait. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson posted on social media, saying that he would ask the chairs of the relevant House committees to lead a delegation to Taipei following Lai's inauguration on May 20th. Taiwan has its unique historic cultural identity, its unique uh, democracy, and it doesn't want to be under the thumb of, of, uh, of China. And, and Taiwanese voters looked at what China has done in Hong Kong, where they violated all of their agreements Having received over 5.58 million votes, Lai Qingde faces an ever-intensifying situation in the Taiwan Strait, along with other challenges. Moving forward, the president-elect certainly has his work cut out for him in ensuring a stable governance. 
The head of the Japan-Taiwan Exchange Association met with President-elect Lai Qingde on Sunday. The meeting coincided with the arrival of a delegation of former high-level U.S. government officials who will meet with political leaders on Monday to discuss stability in the Taiwan Strait, among other issues. I've been friends with Chairman Ohashi for many years, and he was the first to congratulate me in person, and that makes me very happy. Having all of you honored guests here today to witness the results of the presidential and legislative elections demonstrates the deep friendship between Taiwan and Japan. Ohashi Mitsuo came bearing well wishes from Japanese Foreign Minister Kamikawa Yoko, who has expressed thanks to Taiwan for its support in the wake of the recent earthquake that hit Japan's Noto Peninsula. Japanese parliamentarian Furuya Keiji accompanied Ohashi and was gifted a DPP election campaign jacket by Lai. Lai helped Furuya put on the jacket, and the two raised their arms in a gesture of victory. Lai Qingde and his running mate Xiaobi Kim secured another four years of administration for the DPP, but the party has remained low-key following the victory. It has lost its legislative majority, and that has many in the ruling party worried. The loss of a majority is particularly disappointing for Lai, who serves as the DPP's chairman, and Lai says the party must now reflect on the election outcome. The coming four years is bound to be fraught with challenges for the DPP, particularly if it hopes to perform well in the next local and legislative elections. As live election results began showing a DPP lead, supporters who gathered outside the party's headquarters were visibly elated. However, Lai Qingde remained somber as legislative election results rolled in, showing that his party had lost its legislative majority. This shows we haven't worked hard enough. We absolutely need to engage in some introspection. The public expects a capable government and efficient checks and balances. We understand and respect this new public opinion. In 2020, the DPP held 61 legislative seats, including 46 local legislators, 13 at-large legislators, and two indigenous people's representatives. This year, the DPP has 10 fewer legislators, with 51 seats in the legislature, just five seats shy of a majority. Conversely, the KMT this year gained 14 more seats, putting it at 52 seats in total. On the DPP side, lawmaker Rosalia Wu was re-elected, but the loss of her party's majority left her worried. I'm really unable to feel happy right now. I'm worried about how things will be in Taiwan's legislature in the future. I like to tell the DPP, which I dearly love, that it needs to reflect on things. How did a hatred of the DPP come to be used for manipulation? How did we disappoint the young people who have stood with us for so long? The loss of the support of young voters in particular is being seen as a warning sign to the DPP. What we need to do next is to figure out what progressive values that are important to Taiwanese youths have not yet been achieved in our society. In other words, where are we positioned internationally? We need to arouse this awareness in young people more clearly.
Lai Qingdet now faces the daunting task of governing without a legislative majority. However, despite the challenge, he must perform well in the coming term to secure victory in the 2026 local elections and re-election in the 2028 presidential poll. When traveling to Japan, many Taiwanese like to stock up on Japanese products such as cold medicine and congestion medicine. But that could be a little more difficult from now on. A blogger reports that many drugstores in Japan are putting limits on how many items of each product buyers can acquire. The measure is not intended to limit purchases by travelers, but to prevent substance abuse. Let's hear from a pharmacist. These drugs that Taiwanese people like to buy in Japan contain a substance called codeine. People think these drugs are more effective. The Ministry of Health and Welfare has made a decision regarding their authorization informed by usage habits. The rules in Taiwan are a little different. Current FDA rules say that travelers can bring up to 12 packets of any single non-prescription drug into Taiwan for a maximum of 36 packets. The drugs may be for a person, person's own use and not for resale. Violators face fines of up to 2 million Taiwan dollars. Today we meet a calligraphy master with a style that's uniquely his own. Wu Ru is an award-winning calligrapher who's made a career out of a hobby. Unlike the rigorous and precise style of traditional calligraphers, Wu's approach is spontaneous and unrestrained. His works have made the ancient art form more accessible than ever. Tonight we take a peek inside Wu's calligraphy world. Here's our Sunday special report. A calligraphy exhibition is on at Taichung's Taiwan Folk Museum. Teachers have brought in their students to soak up the works of a master. You might not recognize all the Chinese characters, but each one has profound meanings. This is like a painting. It has the feel of a painting. The works of calligrapher Wu Jiru are paintings that contain words. The children may not recognize all the words, but they explore the walls with interest and are eager to pick up a brush themselves. Seeing the little ones try their hand, Wu can't help but give some pointers. A very important point is to always take off your shoes. Socks must come off too. You must be grounded. This is so that when you do calligraphy, heaven, earth, and man come together as one. Right here and now, Wu pulls off his shoes and socks with his signature spontaneity. As he puts brush to paper, what emerges is not classical poetry, but his own anti-war manifesto. In a statement of opposition, the Chinese character for war is rendered in reverse. Flip the paper to find the word in the correct orientation, exquisite and fully formed. 
Whether he's writing backwards, switching hands, or swapping out his brush for a rag, Wu is full of surprises in his approach to calligraphy and to life. Now almost 70 years old, Wu has practiced calligraphy for half a century. As a child, he was often forced to redo his homework for breaking the rules of penmanship. He stumbled upon calligraphy as a high school sophomore when he half-heartedly joined a contest nobody else in class wanted to be in. What was supposed to be a detour turned out to be a turning point of his life. When I was a high school sophomore, I didn't even know how to hold a brush. I only knew how to hold a fountain pen because I didn't know what I was doing. I was daring and sloppy. I wrote as if I were holding a pen. I submitted my work and won first place. Unlike most calligraphy students, Wu had no frame of reference. He didn't have hours of practice copying the masters. His calligraphy was unique and won favor from the judges. Wu lost his father at the age of 10. His family struggled to make ends meet, with his mother selling ginseng to support five children. To help Wu continue with calligraphy, Wu's mother traded an entire ginseng root for a brush. But after graduating and completing military service, Wu hit pause on his artistic pursuits. I have four sisters. I said, I want to help mom carry our family's financial burden. I asked my older sister what job brings in the most money. I didn't have the luxury of deciding a career. My sister said eyeglasses, so I got a job in the glasses business. But calligraphy wasn't done yet with Wu. At 24 years old, he was invited to appear in a joint exhibition with renowned artist Cheng Ting Shi. With that, he found himself returning to his art with fresh fervor. As he got older, Wu began to develop hearing loss, and it had an impact on his art. I'm hard of hearing in my right ear, so my sense of balance isn't good. If I stand as I write, the characters tend to drift to the left. The breath of my lines invariably starts to drift leftward. So later on, after I discovered this problem, I switched to writing on paper placed on the ground. The posture is harder on him physically, but it doesn't put him off from his craft. He does calligraphy every day for six to eight hours. Sometimes when we are together, he produces up to 20-something pieces. If I'm doing calligraphy today, I start around 10 a.m. and keep at it until 10 p.m. A 12-hour day is very normal for me. During the day, I don't eat. I only drink. Wu is painstaking with every facet of his art, even the choice of paper. For example, if what I'm writing today has to do with clouds or smoke, I might use softer paper, so that when I write, the ink will spread out, achieving a very nice effect. If I were writing a character such as Loyalty, I wouldn't use fluffy or soft paper. I might use a firmer paper. Selecting the right paper is an art in itself.
Nanto's Puli Township has been a paper production site since the Japanese colonial era. Its abundant, high-quality water supply is a key ingredient for good paper. Its handmade product is still famous today. When inspiration strikes, Wu heads out to Puli to find the perfect paper. Huang Huanjiang is a second-generation factory owner. He's gone to great lengths to create the paper artists need. He himself writes beautifully, so he wrote in his own hand. He wrote letters to numerous artists. He sent our paper to the artist, saying, This is paper that we made recently. Can we have your feedback as an artist? What are your thoughts after using it? He is very committed to this kind of dialogue, to communicating directly with artists. This process has achieved excellent results. That is, we've been able to make paper that artists can use, customized paper. First of all, handmade paper has warmth. Each piece is chosen by my own hand. Machine-made paper is rolled, so it practically has no pores. It doesn't take a hundred years for that kind of paper to fall apart, because all of its fibers are identical. But handmade paper can last for more than a thousand years under normal circumstances. To create art that endures, good paper plays a vital role. Handmade paper has a very small market, making the relationships between merchant and customer all the more precious. In the early days of the paper industry, things were hard. If the paper didn't sell, then workers wouldn't get paid. Household expenses, like the children's tuition, would become a problem. So then teacher Wu came along. I think he had come to buy paper. He's a very unrestrained and frank person, very easy to get along with. He and my father-in-law became great friends. Whenever my father-in-law had paper that wasn't selling well, he would turn to teacher Wu, who would come and buy large quantities of paper since he had many students at the time. Every time I went, the boss would say to me, This warehouse is full of paper. You can have it for 70,000 NT, which covers the tuition of my three children. He wouldn't accept any more than that. When the business was handed over to the second generation, he told his sons that they were able to graduate from college because of his teacher who, every semester, bought all the paper in the warehouse. For Wu, helping to raise the children has made the paper mill feel almost like family. In the 1980s, Puli was home to more than 40 paper mills. Only a few of them remain today. Although the paper industry is well in decline, young paper makers in Puli are still striving to innovate. They seek to bring traditional paper to the modern age, much like what Wu has done for calligraphy. When Wu was invited to join Chen's art exhibition at 24 years old, what he learned was not techniques in calligraphy. Rather, it was how to make it as an artist. There are these two big crabs. One is Chen and the other represents tradition. The big crab suddenly flips itself over. There's a little crab. That's me. Chen calls out to me, tells me to quickly cross the road. He says to me, it doesn't matter if it's me or if it's tradition. 
Tradition should not be blocking the road. You should flip it over, little crab. Wu's work has been hailed by art critic Xie Lifa as tradition-defying, imaginative, and nearly impossible to imitate. As soon as that first swipe of ink hits the paper, I know it's him. We might describe his work as singing traditional Taiwanese opera in the style of Western opera. Feet on the ground, Wu brushes on thick strokes, moving as if ordained by destiny, no thought required. His body flows in a natural dance, going exactly where it needs to go. It's an approach that doesn't follow any calligraphy style or school, putting Wu in a class of his own.